CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome. We are live, as always, in NASDAQ's Times Square, and we have got a big show for you on deck. Here's what's coming up. It's the final countdown to the busiest week for earnings season. And it could be make or break time for Wall Street, as some of the biggest tech stocks in the market report. Dan Nathan and Mike Coe will tell you how to trade it. And if that's not enough for you, investors are awaiting a key Fed meeting on Wednesday. And the chartmaster says there's something happening in the bond market that could spell trouble for stocks. He'll break it down. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. And yes, it does. The action begins now. Hey, welcome, everybody. Melissa's off tonight. I am Brian Sullivan. Thanks for being with us. And we're going to begin, though, with tech earnings because, as the millennials might say, they, they get lit next week. Apple, Facebook, Microsoft, and Amazon all set to release their numbers. Those stocks implying some pretty hefty moves. Apple, Microsoft, and Amazon, those three, could see a 5% jolt in either direction. Facebook, even more dramatic, 7% implied move that. So altogether, that represents a nearly $150 billion shift in market cap next week. How should you trade? How should you play? How should you invest in these stocks and the options around them? Let's get right now to Carter Worth at the Plasma Carter. You're going to begin by looking at Amazon. Sure. So much hinges for the market. These key big stocks, I thought I'd look at Amazon. I'm going to make the bet that uh, it's maybe not as good as consensus uh, believes. So there it is. You can interpret it many ways. Let's try to interpret it together. Moving forward, one way to look at it, it's not really interpretive, it's a mathematical fact. This security, which has been in a perfect uptrend repeatedly over and over and over, clearly broke trend. And when it broke trend, it dropped about 37%, and it is ricocheted, of course. I want to talk about the ricochet. The ricochet is essentially a 50% retracement. We dropped about $745 uh, per share. We're up uh, $372. And in fact, it is a 50% retracement. It's essentially right to the midpoint. That is a a Fibonacci level for those who care. Uh, But what's important is it's basically stuck. It's stalled at the retracement level. And so if I take away those lines, what you can see very clearly is this tight, tight consolidation. And that typically happens before a big bet. One thing I would point out that not only could you draw the lines as the break in trend, you can also prospectively draw the lines like that. Now, obviously, that's a a bearish interpretation. My hunch is that this ricochet has come a long way and that the stock is a a better sale than a buy. All right, Carter Worth. Carter, come on back to the set. Thank you very much. Mike Coe is out in San Francisco today. Mike, welcome. Good to see you out west. What is the trade on Amazon? Yeah, so this is an interesting situation. Amazon is a really high-priced stock, and so we're going to try to look at how you can use a put spread but mitigate some of the costs that normally come with trying to trade a stock that's as expensive as this one. For one thing, when you buy options going into earnings, and it would be probably a little bit too capital-intensive to sell them here, you obviously have to worry about decay going into events like earnings. So we can find a put spread. In this case, we're going to be looking at one that's in the money that has no decay. The other thing is that 
buying or selling the stock itself is extremely expensive. At the current price, it's going to cost you about $170,000 to trade a round 100 share lot of the stock. But even if you bought just one share or sold one share short, you're looking at nearly $1,700. So we're looking to put on a trade for less than that. And the other thing is we're going into a specific catalyst, earnings, and we're just going to look to do a trade that is a simple win-lose proposition. What I'm looking at here was the February 1680, 1670 put spread. When I was looking at this earlier today, the stock was around the 75 level, right between those two strikes, and this trade was costing about $4.80. That higher strike put was trading for 68.30. You would sell the lower strike one against it for 63.5. Net-net, uh, you're going to spend about $4.80 for that. Considering each trade represents 100 shares, that's only $480, so less than a single share of stock. The thing is, the likelihood that the stock lands between these two specific strikes at expiration is very low. So either it's going to be above the higher strike of this put spread, and you're going to lose the 480, or it's going to be below the, the lower strike, and you're going to make 520 bucks in profit. So this is a way that you can risk relatively little to make a bet going into Amazon earnings, which is something that typically would tie up a tremendous amount of capital. Yeah, so I think the trade idea makes a lot of sense, if, especially if you agree with the fact that uh, Amazon, from a technical standpoint, is rolling over here. It's lost some of that mojo. Um, you know, buying put spreads into events, especially in names like this that are very volatile, you got to get a lot of things right, um, obviously, just to break even here. So I like what Mike's trading uh, or the, what he's targeting as far as the trades. I'll just make one point, okay? This stock sold off almost 8% uh, the day after they reported their Q3 earnings. It sold off not because of the Q3 earnings, because of the Q4 revenue guidance. They guided down about 6%. If they come in and they come in below that, that they guided to in Q4, and they guide down for Q1, this stock's going much lower. And part of that much has lower. Much lower. It's just going much lower because you're going to see a period now where the company was, you know, they, they basically had everything going for them, it, additionally in retail. But when you see them guide down five, six billion dollars in a quarter, that is U.S. retail predominantly. And so if that is starting to move the other way, I don't think you want to be in this stock right now because that sales was powering all the other stuff they were able to do with AWS. And right. Just think about the precondition to have sold off 37 yeah. percent um, into the Christmas low. I mean, that's quite a bit worse in the market. This was such a bellwether and holding up uh, what people believe to be the long-term uh, course forward, it, it just doesn't act well. It's, it's relative performance. The market is heavy, and uh, I think it's asymmetrical risk-reward. Okay. Let's turn now to another FANG stock that is reporting next week, and, of course, that is Facebook, the F. The stock soaring more than 20% off the December low as it tries to put its privacy issues in the past. In fact, Mark Zuckerberg today penning an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. In it, he tries to defend Facebook, saying... Once again, they do not sell your data. Now, despite the recent rally, Facebook stock still down around 30% from its July 2018 high. All right, so Dan, Facebook, how are you trading this one so into earnings? This is a really interesting one because this obviously has been very controversial for about a year now. So a lot of these stories like Amazon, when it started rolling over, it was just a few months ago. Apple, the same sort of thing. And it really started with an earnings report. What's going on with Facebook is really different. It's affecting billions and billions of people around the world. And really the fear is, is that there's going to be a bad backlash from their users that will result in a backlash from advertisers leaving that platform. Mark Zuckerberg is trying to get in front of it. He knows he's much better at writing 
making op-eds than he is sitting on cushions in front of Congress telling the story. So the way I think about this is that here's a company that last year at this time, earnings and sales for 2019, consensus estimates were expecting at least 20% growth for both. Right now, earnings estimates for 2019 and Facebook have come down so dramatically that maybe they've come down a little too much, especially considering the fact that uh, analysts expect 24% year-over-year revenue growth this year. So here's the thing. I kind of want to be cautiously optimistic Mm -hmm. in this story, but there may be another shoe to drop here. And so one of the things that I think the setup is kind of interesting, here's the chart. You see that well-defined downtrend since that gap last summer. It's right back at a really interesting level. I'll let Carter talk to it because that was a, a perceived to be support and then it broke a couple months ago, and now it's a level. So to me, the options market is implying a $10 move in either direction. That's about 6.5%. That is shy of the 8.7% average over the last four quarters. Mm. I think you take advantage of the near-term elevated implied volatility, the price of options in February expiration, and you sell out-of-the-money calls, and you finance the purchase of -of out-of-the-money calls at a later date. So you're really playing for, in a call calendar here, and I'll go through the specific trade in one second, you're playing for a bit of a consolidation It's not going to go up more than $10 in the next couple weeks, and it's not going to go down much more than that either. So the trade very specifically, and the stock was trading at 149 today, you could buy the February-April 160 call calendar, selling one of the April 160 calls at $2, buying one of the April 160 calls for $5. That trade costs you $3. You have this room to the upside. If you get to February expiration and the stock is 160 or below, those short 160 Feb calls are going to expire worthless. You end up owning the April, the longer dated 160 call for only $3. That's 2% of the stock price. What am I trying to do here? I'm trying to thread the needle a little bit. I'm playing for consolidation. I think there's a chance the company disappoints next week, but maybe the stock's down enough year over year where it's in yeah. a good spot to set up for, for higher highs later in the spring. Mike, Mike Coe, what's your view on Facebook there? Yeah, so, well, first of all, I, I think it's kind of unlikely that they disappoint at least if you're just looking at the bottom line because there is basically some hint that their, you know, their ad pricing has been able to hold up. And all of the controversy aside, I think as far as the financials are going to look, it's still going to look pretty good. That doesn't get rid of the cloud. I really like the way Dan's trade sets up here, though, because you'll notice that oftentimes when people look at calendar spreads, they, you know, just think about the at-the-money strikes. So in this case, that would be the 150s. By using those out-of-the-money strikes, he's actually giving himself quite a buffer for this stock to do well out of earnings. And those near-dated options, the February expiration, are really quite expensive because of all of the uncertainty that hangs over this stock right now, trading at 17 times forward earnings, but still growing the top and bottom lines at significant numbers. So I think this is really the best possible way that you could try to make a cautiously optimistic bet, because I have a hard time believing that whatever those overhangs are, that cloud gets lifted just because they report good numbers, which I probably expect here. So I think this trade really makes a lot of sense. I mean, in terms of a catch-up trade, we know there's been uh, violent ricochets in so many areas of the market, both tech and otherwise, cyclical names, industrials, financials. If one is trying to find something that has been a bit non-participatory, Facebook comes to mind as perhaps asymmetrical to the upside, that if indeed it's unhappy, it wouldn't be a bad, uh, big sell-off. But maybe, maybe with a little luck, it could be something special to the upside. Maybe, maybe with a little luck. Hardly the biggest vote of confidence, Carter. All right. For everything Options Action, head to our website and be sure to sign up for our newsletter. Meantime, here's what's coming up. Investors are on edge ahead of the Fed meeting next week. And the chartmaster says there's something happening in the bond market that could send ripples across Wall Street. We'll tell you how to trade it. Plus, 
calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Options Action. The countdown is on to the big January Fed meeting. That is next week. As the 10-year yield has pulled back sharply in the last couple of months, Carter says the rate route is just getting started. He is back at the plasma to break it all down, Carter. Well, what we know is that you had record uh, short positioning in Chicago on the CME at exactly the wrong time. And in fact, rather than uh, working out, rates uh, pivoted, reversed, went from uh, 330 to 255. We've bounced back to around uh, 275. But I think the important thing here on this yield chart is the following, that we have a, a well-defined break in trend, ever so slight, and that now after breaking, we've thrown back to the underbelly of the trend line, which is often the point at which you then, of course, hit your head again. My bias is rates to the downside, which of course means that one would want to buy something like a TLT. One way to draw the lines, paying attention to this big spike, is that we broke out, that we probed that high and fell back. Is that a failed breakout? In a way, yes. But what's key is, if I remove that line, is that when we dipped, really, we held trend here. In fact, if we put in another line, what you have is a lot of tension for resolution. And ultimately, I think that after toying with these tops and ever so slightly breaking out and pivoting down, that we are going to make our way higher. I, I like TLT on the long side here. I think this is a good bet. I'm in the camp, in fact, that yields are going as low as 2.1% on the 10-year. All right. Thank you very much, Carter Worth. Mike, what do you think is the TLT? That, of course, is the, probably the most traded, most liquid bond-focused ETF. What's the TLT trade? Yeah, so I think this is one of those cases, you know, it's interesting. We've seen, as Carter was just pointing out, a fairly sharp move in a relatively short period of time. When you consider that TLT has rallied basically eight and a half points since the November 2nd low that we saw. And the reason this is important is that over a period of a week, a month, this thing can actually move fairly sharply, but day to day it doesn't move very much. And what that means is that the prices of the options are actually relatively low. And when options prices are extremely low, it means we don't need to complicate the trade very much. We don't need to look to things like spreads to offset some of the decay. I was looking specifically at the April 121 calls. Those were about $1.85 when I was looking at those earlier today. And think about that for a moment. That's less than 2% of the current level of TLT, which closed, I think, around 120 and a half. So you don't need to see much of a move to the upside for these to be profitable. Think about what you're insuring against. If, for whatever reason, it made a move back to those November lows, that's really the downside risk, right, that you're thinking about, something like eight bucks. Here, you're only risking $1.85. So I think this is a very efficient and low-risk way to make a play that rates could go lower, and therefore that the long bond could go higher. 
Yeah, I think this is a really interesting situation where you can take a technical setup and you can look at the rates and you just look at that 10-year yield. I mean, that's what a lot of traders are looking at here. Where did it just get rejected? It got rejected at the 2013-14 taper tantrum highs. Then it just broke that down or that uptrend that had been in place since that generational low in 2016 when the 10-year got to what, so like 1.4 or something percent. Then you put that together with the fundamentals. You put that together with the Fed is telling us what they plan to do on rates. You put that together with, um, you know, the potential for uh, a flight to quality in U.S. Treasuries. And I say to myself, Mike's vol that he's buying, those calls, it's about as cheap as you can get right now in any risk asset, is at least as far as options or pricing. So to me, I like this trade. You're basically playing for a 2% move between here and April to the upside. That's a good risk reward. Low is 127 in June of 2016. Yeah. Quite the incredible thing. Quite the incredible thing. Uh, and look, other things are sort of in play. Gold is uh, messaging certain things. The U.S. dollar uh, consensus is. Hold still- on, go back to that. What is gold messaging? What is gold? Don't just that's say not- that. Throw it out. Well, that's that's walk not off. as all as well as the ricocheting equities would imply. Um, but but there's this. The positioning got extreme. Uh, people were punished for that, and consensus remains higher rates. Everything's sort of okay. Don't worry about what happened in December in equities. We'll see. All right. Still ahead, Starbucks brewing up big gains off its earnings report this week. We're going to let you know what might be next for Starbucks stock. Plus, do you have a burning question for the traders or just maybe a lukewarm one? We're going to take your tweets later on in the show. You can hit us up at Options Action, and you might just get your answer, as always, live at the NASDAQ market site. More Options Action right after this. All right, and welcome back. It is time now to look back at some of our open trades. Last week, you remember Carter Worth and Mike said that shares of Starbucks were about to beat or heat up on earnings. We toyed with breaking out once. We got a little bit higher again. We toyed with it again. There's a lot of tension here. The presumption is that on its next earnings, it gaps again as it did last quarter, and the stock clears all of these hurdles. I'm a buyer. I'm just looking out to April. The 65 calls were trading around two and a half dollars. Those were very close to the at the money calls. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. I was looking at that. All right, shares the coffee giant jumping on the results, up 4% today. Okay, Mike, what do you do now with the trade? Yeah, sure. So the, the shares were up 4%. The calls we bought were up about 50% as of the close today. The thing is that now we're long a call that's in the money. You know, one of the advantages that options give you is this convexity around the strike, basically meaning that you don't risk that much to the downside and you gain much more to the upside if you're long something like a call. The problem is that once that call ends up in the money, you have two things working for you. One is that it's starting to decay. We've already seen the move we were playing for. And the other is that because it's in the money, it's going to respond much more like the stock than like an option. So my inclination is that we take the 50% gain that we made week on week, use some of the profits maybe to buy another coffee. Carter? Yeah, (laughs) that's exactly right. I mean, so it's knowing who you are in the market. If you've played a 
a moment. We did an earnings thing and you got paid uh, and paid in spades because of optionality. Take the money and run. Does it mean that Starbucks is not going higher? No, it still hasn't cleared the all-time high. If one owns the common, you stay long and you enjoy it. But for this specific purpose, the, the trade that was put on, exactly what Mike said, let's uh, take the money and celebrate with a Starbucks. There you go. All right, now we're not done calling out these prior trades earlier this month, you remember Dan over here bet that Intel was heading higher. I've tried to take a couple shots on Intel on the long side over the last year and a half or so. And to me, it, you know, it's kind of been stuck. They've had a few macro issues. They've had a few very company-specific issues, meaning losing their CEO, having a delay on a really important trip, so uh, chip, so some market share losses. It sounds like we might get some resolution to all those things. The July 50-60 call spread could be bought for $2.40, buying one of the July 50 calls for uh, 3 bucks, selling one of the July 60 calls uh, at 60 cents. Yeah, so here's the deal. Uh, I said that we might get some resolution soon to some of those things. We didn't get resolution. We actually got news that wasn't for, uh, fantastic for the stock. You know, the stock was down 5.5% today. Um, you know, here's the thing. Since I laid this trade out a few weeks ago, the stock is only down about 50 cents. This trade that could have been bought for 240 um, on January, the first week of January, is now worth about 180, 185. I think you stick with this. I chose July expiration because I wanted to give myself some time for this to play out. And that 50 call strike is really an important level. It was almost there the other day. It almost got through. It didn't. If the news flow were to change over the next few months, this is the sort of call that you'd want to own into mid-year. The remarkable thing here, of course, is the juxtaposition between Intel's poor performance and what is otherwise an incredible week for semis, right? Yeah. You have things like Xilinx breaking out to big all-time highs, and at the strong end, at the weekend, you have recovery moves. Uh, dozens of MCHPs and LRCXs and Samsungs coming off their lows. So the, the outlier event for Intel is unhappy in the sense that obviously it's something that's specific to the company. Um, it's probably just a pair of twos here. No trade. Not bearish, not bullish. Okay, there you go. Up next, your tweets and the final call. All right, welcome back now. Time now to take your tweets. And our first fan, and maybe our only, asks... What about that Apple call that you guys discussed a while ago? Should we hold or sell ahead of earnings, Mike Co. in San Francisco? Yeah, so going into earnings, options premiums are elevated. This thing actually has to run all the way to 170 before you're going to be sorry that you had that one by two on. So I think you stick with the trade yep. going into earnings. Mike, kick it off with our final call since we got you. April 121 calls in TLT. TLT, April 21 calls. Carter. Amazon's up 30% off its low. Take some money off the table and put it in TLT. Wow, sell Amazon by bonds, Dan. Whoa, uh, wow. Facebook, let's be cautiously optimistic. I'm not buying calls, but I like the idea of buying call calendars into the print next week. Oh, sell Amazon by bonds. Okay, yeah, here we yeah. go. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. Catch us next Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. But, of course, don't go anywhere because Jim and Mad Money start right now. Have a great weekend. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.